this will be the first of several podcasts that are going to deal with the respiratory system. And as we go through these podcasts, I'd like you to keep in mind some issues in relation to the respiratory system because there are several inherent problems that this system has to overcome. First of all, there's a cleaning problem because the air that we breathe is inherently dirty. There's a patency problem. Airways want to collapse under the negative pressure of expiration. And then there's a gas exchange problem because you need to have a large area for efficient gas exchange, but that has to operate at a very low pressure. So your learning objective for these podcasts, you should be able to describe how the histology and cell biology of the organs in the respiratory system relate to the conduction of air, the filtration of air, and gas exchange. And you should be able to recognize on glass slides and on electronic images organs in each region of the respiratory tract. When we can think of the primary functions of the respiratory system would be air conduction, air filtration, and gas exchange. And that gas exchange is technically respiration, and that occurs in the alveoli. There are some secondary functions to the respiratory system that we tend to not give much weight to, but if you think about them, they're obvious. The respiratory system is clearly important for speech as air passes through the larynx. It's important for smell as air passes through the nasal cavities. Cells in the respiratory system are involved in hormone production. That's mostly for paracrine control, and we'll leave that for discussions for you in physiology. And clearly cells in the respiratory system modulate immune responses to various inhaled antigens. The lungs form as outpocketings of the foregut, so the endodermal derivatives. And now the diagram here just shows different components of the respiratory system. So we can talk about the conducting portions being the nasal cavity, the pharynx, larynx, trachea, bronchi, and actually bronchioles in the lungs. And then the respiratory components would be the respiratory bronchioles, and then basically alveolar ducts, alveolar sacs, and the alveolar spaces. Air is conditioned as it passes through the respiratory tract before it reaches the terminal respiratory units. And this conditioning of air occurs in the conducting portions of the respiratory system. And it involves warming the air, moistening the air, and removal of particulates that might be trapped in the air. Essentially, mucus and serous secretions play the most significant role in conditioning of the air. You might be aware that the air is moistened, trapped particles are captured in that moistened air, and that air is also moistened to prevent dehydration of the epithelium. Mucus covers most of the luminal surface of the conducting passages in the respiratory tract, and this mucus is continuously secreted by goblet cells and by glands in the walls of the various passages in the respiratory tract. And something that's really critically important for you to consider, secretions and trapped particles that are in those secretions move towards the pharynx where they'll eventually be swallowed and they're moved by coordinated movements of cilia. Those coordinated movements of cilia are actually very important for the overall function of the respiratory tract. Let's consider the nasal region, and clearly you know the gross anatomy of this 
the nasal cavity has a respiratory region and an olfactory region. In the respiratory region, the epithelium in the vestibule is a stratified squamous epithelium. The other regions in the nasal cavity would be consisting of respiratory epithelium. And you might remember that would be a ciliated pseudo-stratified columnar epithelium. Within the respiratory region of the nasal cavity, there's the ciliated cells. There are also goblet cells, which are involved in mucus secretion. There are brush cells which uh, function for general sensation, not for olfaction. These brush cells actually are innervated by cranial nerve 5. There are small granule cells, which are considered enteroendocrine cells. I'll have a little more to say about that in just a minute or two. And then there are stem cells or basal cells. The lamina propria in the respiratory region has a very rich capillary network. There are mucus glands, lots of mucus glands with serous demilunes. And I don't need to remind any of you what happens to the mucus in the nasal cavity in allergic reactions or in various viral infections. And then the nasal cavity also has an olfactory region. And this is interesting, the epithelium in the olfactory region in humans, there might be something like about 10 square centimeters of that. In animals like dogs, there's, you know, maybe 150 square centimeters. So although olfaction is an important sense, it's not as important as the other senses in humans. In the olfactory epithelium, there are specific bipolar neurons, which are innervated by cranial nerve 1. Those are the neurons for olfaction. There are sustentacular cells or supporting cells. There are brush cells just like in the respiratory region of the nasal cavity. And there are stem cells as there are in the respiratory region. The lamina propria in the olfactory region has Bowman's glands, which secrete a serous substance, and this secretion will act as a solvent for odoriferous substances, and as we said, it will help to trap particulate materials. This histological image, you can clearly see the ciliated cells and the goblet cells. It's very difficult on this image to pick out brush cells. I don't think I could pick them out on this image. There are small granule cells and basal cells that are present in this region, but you can't easily distinguish in this image between the small granule cells and the basal cells. Now let me give you just an interesting note about the small granule cells. We told you that the lungs and in fact most of the respiratory tract is derived from the foregut. These small granule cells are actually enteroendocrine cells or APUD cells. They're very much like the enteroendocrine cells that you find in the GI tract. And the small granule cells in the respiratory tract, there actually may be several different classes of them, but they can secrete substances like serotonin and catecholamines, and these substances may regulate vascular or, or non-vascular smooth muscle contraction, and they may play an important role in secreting paracrine hormone substances that play a role in the activity of the cilia in the respiratory tract. These small granule cells are also known to produce calcitonin and various gastrin-releasing peptides. 
Now let's just say a word or two about the olfactory epithelium. There are bipolar neurons, one of which I'm highlighting here in the cartoon. The apical dendrite of the bipolar neurons expands into a bulb region, and off that region there are many non-motile cilia. On these non-motile cilia are the odoriferous receptors, and these receptors can get saturated. At the basal end is an axon that will synapse to cells that are in cranial nerve number one. Now these bipolar neurons are considered CNS neurons, but they're unusual in that they are directly exposed to various toxins, and oftentimes they're exposed to things that cause epithelial cell damage. So they get damaged fairly frequently, but they are capable of regeneration. And turnover of CNS neurons is a very rare phenomenon. So this fact that these bipolar neurons in the olfactory epithelium can regenerate, that's encouraged significant research efforts on the mechanism of turnover, because people think that it might give us some understanding of how nerve cells in the CNS might turn over or might potentially regenerate. There are also groups of cells that are supporting cells or sustentacular cells. These function actually to detoxify substances that are brought into the respiratory tract. They have cytochrome P450 components in them. Uh, they may also be phagocytic for spent or damaged neurons. There are brush cells, which are not really shown on this cartoon. They have large but blunt microvilli on them. They are columnar cells. As we said, they function for general sensation, not for olfaction. So they're innervated by cells from cranial nerve number five. There are basal cells, which could be stem cells for the neurons and sustentacular cells. And you can see diagrammatically the basal cells. And then there are cells that make a Bowman serous glands. These serous secretions wash odiferous substances from the cilia. You can see the duct of, of the Bowman's gland running up through the epithelium. These duct cells could actually be progenitors for some of the sustentacular cells. Finally, to conclude this first podcast, here is just the histological view of the olfactory region. So you can see the olfactory epithelium. It is a pseudostratified columnar epithelium, a ciliated pseudostratified columnar epithelium. You can see some of these Bowman's glands profile here and here. You can see profiles of the ducts coming through. Here are some of the nerve bundles that innervate these cells, and you can actually see some of the blood vessels in this region.